Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I also wanted to just put in another plug. Pastor Becca mentioned the Lenten devotionals. More are coming. Make sure you grab yours on Wednesday uh, at our Ash Wednesday service. Be here, be here for Ash Wednesday to start the season of Lent. Remember, the season of Lent is that 40-day period before Easter, and we're preparing our hearts for our Easter celebration during Lent. And so Lent is traditionally a fasting season. I would encourage you to consider fasting during the season of Lent. In the past, um, Christians have chosen to fast from certain things or activities, for certain foods, during the season of Lent, or choose a day that is a 24-hour fast period each week during the season of Lent. I'd encourage you to just consider the practice of fasting during Lent, whether, whether it is from something through the season or if it is a day of the week. Just as a, a reminder to place yourself in, in God's grace, to, to not depend on whatever it is that you're fasting from, but to depend solely on the Lord. And it's a good practice, a good reminder that we can survive from, from you know, I, a 24-hour period, a good way to fast for a 24-hour period is like from lunch to lunch. Because you know you can survive if you skip dinner and then breakfast the next morning. You can survive. Uh, and it reminds us that it's God's grace that sustains us anyway, not, not the food that we eat. So I'd encourage you to consider either, either laying something down during the season of Lent or, and, picking something up, like the Lenten devotional, or another spiritual practice that maybe maybe additional Bible reading, or some other practice that will mark for you the season of Lent, and will prepare you so that when we get to Holy Week and Easter, your heart is ready to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. That is our day. That is, like, our most important day. And so, I just encourage you to look forward to the season of Lent, uh, to, to, this, to the day of Easter by fasting through the season of Lent. Devotional. Pastor Bill mentioned the revival happening at Asbury College right now, Asbury University. I was a student across the street at Asbury Seminary. There's a, there's a street, Lexington Avenue goes right in between Asbury College and Asbury Seminary. And, and so I hung to the seminary side there, there's not a lot of mixing. There was a weekly ultimate Frisbee game on the college that I went to. And, and uh, I was telling Alyssa, I've been in Hughes Auditorium where those services are happening on, on a number of occasions. Uh, usually they had chapel speakers that would be interesting to a nerdy seminary student. And so I would meander over there and try not to get, uh, not to get singled out as the lone seminary student crashing a a college chapel, because uh, that was kind of a nerdy thing to do. You didn't want to be caught doing that. But the scenes, the scenes there are are exciting, and I I think we we with with optimism await and see what the what the Lord does uh, as as students are being called to prayer and and to deeper devotion, and may the Spirit move. Um, come, Holy Spirit, come. Uh, that's that's our prayer. We pray. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray, thy will be done. And, and so may, may God's will be done. May, may the Lord move in, in power. Um, and uh, 
it's it's just for me there's this added layer in and for um, winter and in the Heschleys, I know there's this added added element of excitement just being familiar with all of those places that are are in the photos and videos that we see it's pretty pretty fun and Alyssa Alyssa was there with me for a great year we're planning on making a pilgrimage already this year to to Wilmore Kentucky so anyway during this season, this winter season before, before Lent, I've been talking about the important work of spiritual formation. We are being formed. We are, we are not static. We are dynamic people. We, we are constantly being changed and formed by the things around us. And as believers, our goal and our intention is to be formed and shaped by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But as believers and as people who want to allow the Spirit to intentionally shape us, we recognize that there are all sorts of things that if we're not careful, they will have a more profound forming influence on us than Jesus has. And, and sometimes these are things that we do intentionally, sometimes they're unintentional. And today I'm looking at a spiritually deforming practice that is just sort of a baseline practice that happens because we are human beings, and, and especially in our culture and, and uh, life here in the U.S., I'm talking about a deforming practice that is probably the number one cottage industry of American Christianity, and that is the the spiritually deforming practice of self-sufficiency. We live in a culture that says, I got this. I got this. I, I can handle it. I'm all right. I've got this figured out. You know, I'm, I realize now I am just finally to the age and finally to, to a place in experience in ministry where most things that come my way, I've dealt with them. Uh, I've seen it. I, I got this, you know, I can preach a sermon. You have a funeral? I can do that. I got this, right? I, the, most, most things that I encounter these days, it's, uh, it's pretty easy for me to say, you know what? I can handle that. I can handle that. I, I got it. Don't, don't worry about Paul. Paul's got this. And, and so as I've been thinking through this sermon this week, I've been thinking about my own pride and my own, my own sense of, I got this. Because I, I think in our culture, we really strive to get to a point in life where we can say, oh, I got this. <laughs> no problem. I've seen this before. This is not my first rodeo, right? We, we love to have the feeling of being in control, of being, being uh, sufficient unto ourselves, of being able to, to say beyond a shadow of doubt, I know what to do in this circumstance. I can take care of myself and I can take care of this, this, this practice. Um, and I, I, I am going to talk about how this relates to the things we do to protect ourselves a little bit. But I, mostly I want us to consider how we depend, what we depend upon in, in our country and in our world and in our daily lives. Because it is, it is very easy for us to believe the lie that because we pay for insurance, because we work a job, because we have savings, we got this. We have got this. We don't need anybody's help really for daily living. Really, 
we have all of our provision, everything is taken care of, and maybe if, if I want religion to be kind of an add-on to all of the things, this life that I really have handled, you know, maybe, maybe religion, it's just one more thing. It's just one more, it's a, it's a nice add-on. It's an accessory to this life that really I'm, I'm okay. I can control it. I've got a job. I've got, I've got things taken care of at home. It's going to be okay. We, we cannot believe, we, we should not believe that, that we are strong people and that we got this. In fact, the Bible, the Bible has a word for people who say, I got this. I got this, are in, according to the Bible, those are the famous last words of the people the Bible calls fools. Uh, that, that was kind of convicting to me this week as I thought about how I got this. And, and then I thought about all of those places in scripture where the people who got this were the fools. They were the ones that, that were doing exactly what God was, was telling them not to do. And, and when we consider what God wants to do in our lives, God doesn't, doesn't really, God is concerned about our daily provision. Again, another prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, provide for me this day my daily bread. God can, cares about our, our daily needs, but God wants to fill our lives with love and peace and joy that go far beyond the things that we typically have because we are self-sufficient and capable all on our own. And we should not believe for a second the lie that says, because I have insurance and a job, because I have savings, that my life is automatically going to be filled with love and peace and joy. Those things don't come from those things that we, we hold on to as, as keeping us secure. And so to look at this deforming practice of self-sufficiency and a corrective to the practice, I want to turn first to a story that Jesus told. And this is a story that's found in Luke chapter 16. You can turn there in your Bible or it'll be on the PowerPoint. In Luke chapter, chapter 12, verse 16, Jesus tells a story. It's, uh, it begins, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Luke twelve twenty. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Excuse me. <clears throat> I'm interested in the way that Jesus explains the, the prosperity of the rich man in this passage. The, the passage says, that he had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. It, it, doesn't say, <clears throat> it doesn't say that he was like an A-plus farmer. It doesn't say that he, he was super capable on, all on his own. It doesn't say that he was this, this great wise investor that invested well. He had a fertile crop. He had, a, had fertile land. He was, he was able to, to get a fine crop off of this land. 
Now, obviously, he had to be diligent, right? Uh, a good farmer can make a great crop off of good land. A bad form, farmer can still get a poor crop off of good land. And, and so he was obviously diligent. He did his, his daily work. But Jesus' diagnosis of, of the situation is, is that he had a nice farm. He was, he was gifted with, with a nice piece of ground that grew a nice crop. And, and in this story, like, Jesus, Jesus isn't looking at his, uh, his tearing down his, his old barns and building newer ones. You know, that, that is not insurance, is it? it I, farming is risky business. My, my first church was in a farming community. It is risky. It, there is a lot of risk in, in farming. And nobody blames a farmer for keeping an extra year's worth set aside. But that's not what the man is doing. Jesus says the man, the man was tearing down his old barns, building bigger ones, so he could do what he wanted to do. He wanted to eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus tells us how we should understand the story with this brief line of interpretation in verse 21. In verse 21, Jesus tells us exactly all that we ought to know about this story. He says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. See, Jesus says, the problem is not the bigger barns. Let's not worry about the bigger barns. Let's consider what we trust. The problem is trusting and believing that a life of leisure is going to give the kind of fulfillment and hope that one wants from life. His heart was, was content with bigger barns. And Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter 12 about greed and, and measuring the goodness of our lives by what we own. Jesus says uh, we, we ought to measure the value and goodness of our lives when we are willing to receive our well-being and our, and our sufficiency from God alone. We can't, we can't look to the things we have on this earth to provide us with, with peace, to, per, to fill our hearts with love. We have to look alone to God to receive those things. Spiritual deformation comes when we try to, to make our hearts content without God. When we think that whatever I have around me will, will make me content and it's not the Lord, that is the beginning of spiritual deformation whether it's the resources that we hoard or our intellect or even human relationships. All those things are gifts from God. All those things are, are from the hand of God himself. But the Lord wants us to find peace for ourselves alone in him. And this takes me to an, the second passage I want to look at. This will be the, the last passage I look at, which is from the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, but before I get to looking right at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you can turn there if you'd like in your Bible. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 uh, is obviously from the book of Proverbs. And so, that's your enlightenment for the day. I got this. Uh, <laughs> we ought to know what the book of Proverbs is. Uh, the book of Proverbs comes from a set of writings in the Old Testament that would include Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the book of Job. And those three books are known as wisdom or wisdom literature. 
uh, in the Old Testament. And we ought to know what wisdom literature is before we look at a passage from wisdom literature, just so we don't read it wrong. Wisdom literature is, is the, uh, it, it, the primary purpose of wisdom literature is to share the consistent path of wisdom that has been observed and lived and passed down from generation to generation. Wisdom literature is, is intending to, to sum up all that has been gained by living life, trying to please God over years and years and generations and generations and passing it down. So it, 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 it observes patterns and it passes it down. And this is specifically, this is, this is different from other types of scripture because wisdom literature doesn't say what the prophets say. What do the prophets say? The prophets in the Old Testament say, thus says the Lord. And after thus says the Lord in the prophetic literature in the Old Testament, you get verbatim what God has to say to his people. And, and there's, no, there's no yeah butting after thus says the Lord. That is thus says the Lord. Proverbs, it, it doesn't say thus saith the Lord. It says thus saith my grandma who was the wisest, most godly person I ever met. When I was just a baby and she had me sitting on her lap, I remember her telling me this. So wisdom teaches us, wisdom literature teaches us the normal operation of life. And wisdom literature is particularly useful because it is the collected wisdom of generations. It, you know, good decisions come from experience. Experience comes from making bad decisions, right? <laughs> uh, we, would be, we would be wise to learn from the mistakes of others. We would be wise to hear what wisdom teaches us and, and put it into practice rather than having to live through the same mistakes as generations before. And so wisdom literature is, is helpful and useful because it directs us in the path where wisdom leads, especially when wisdom leads against the grain of culture. Wisdom often will teach us uh, against the way we do things around here. And, and we ought to be especially attentive when, when wisdom surprises us. But wis biblical wisdom is often surprising because left to our own devices, we are not particularly wise. And so, wisdom literature is very, very helpful for us. So allow me to read from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation because I always do. I'm a creature of habit. Uh, and I'm going to refer to a, other versions today because I haven't memorized in other versions and I kind of like it in other versions, but I'm a creature of habit. So from the New Living Translation first, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. This passage, this passage sets out to strike a contrast between, between God's wisdom and human wisdom, doesn't it? Right? Uh, trust in the Lord. Seek God's wisdom. Uh, don't trust your own understanding. And, and the commentators on this passage all agree this isn't to put down human wisdom necessarily. It's not like a, a big put down on human wisdom. It's more to exalt God's wisdom. The Proverbs are all about reminding us that God's wisdom prevails. God's wisdom is, is a gift. 
We read in, in Proverbs 2.8 that the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God can't help but being wise. God is wisdom. God gives us wisdom. And it's a gift when we receive wisdom, when we understand wisdom from God. Meanwhile, our wisdom, according to the, to the book of Proverbs, it's sketchy at best. Our wisdom is, 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 doesn't have a great track record. The Bible is full of examples of people who claim to be wise but are actually foolish. In fact, in, in Proverbs 26, 12, it says, there is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. I think I'd, I'm okay with being a fool. I'd, I'd be a fool. If we're to read on here in chapter 3 into verses uh, 7 and 8, they reinforce this contrast. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. One more example of God's wisdom and our wisdom contrasted, Proverbs 16, 9, one of my, my favorite Proverbs, the mind of a man plans his way, the Lord directs his steps. The, Lord, the Lord's wisdom prevails. The Lord wisdom, Lord's wisdom is better than ours because the Lord's wisdom will actually come to pass. The Lord's wisdom is the way the world is wired and, and is proven right. Our wisdom our wisdom, human wisdom, is more like a broken clock. Like, on a good day, it's, it's right twice, right? Right twice a day. And, and so, we are supposed to trust God's wisdom and not our own. I've really struggled through the course of this week, thinking about this passage, kind of trying to ruminate on describing exactly what it is to trust in the Lord. I've really struggled with that, and, and you can help me. I'm sure uh, you can give some good practical examples of what it is to, to trust in the Lord, because I think when, when we want to talk about trusting in the Lord, we, we think about letting go. We think about letting go, and, and we, you know, we take it to the extreme immediately when we talk about letting go of things, and we say, okay, I'm going to trust in the Lord, so I'm just going to wait on my couch until God cooks dinner and brings it to me on a plate, right? Or, or we say, like, okay, is it trusting in the Lord, then should I not buy insurance? Would that be trusting in the Lord? Or, you know, should I not make plans? What if the Lord's wisdom in the last minute says, says no, you shouldn't go... Um, do those things that you have planned, you should do this other thing. And, and how could I plan anything if I'm going to trust in the Lord and, and depend on the Lord's wisdom? And, and I, I don't think that God calls us to give up jobs or to, to stop making plans with people or, or to give up, you know, taking good medication that the Lord has given us in the name of trusting the Lord. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And but, but I still don't have like the perfect, the perfect wording to say what it is to trust in the Lord. So I'm going to try to come back to it as, as I continue through uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 here. And so I'll, I'll just move on for, for right now where, where the, the proverb tells us, do not depend on your own understanding in the second half of verse 5 there. Our, our church board uh, has gone through a book over this last several months, and this la we finished it on, on Tuesday in our, our board meeting this week. Uh, that's right, we had a board meeting on Valentine's night. It was not very romantic, I'm sorry, to our spouses of board members. 
uh, we, we finished it. The, the book, the last chapter of this book, it, it threw pastors under the bus, man. And it, it talked about how pastors are not intellectually humble. And I, I, I mean, I just, was, I just finished confessing how I got this. I, I had to raise my hand and I said, it's true. I, I know what I know. And I have really good reason for doing the things I do. And, and I have really good reason that I could tell all of you how to do all of the things you do as well. I, I, I know what I know about, about all things, right? And so I, I can tell you the best way to do it, whether it's frying eggs or running a country, just ask. I have lots of understanding. The wisdom of Proverbs tells us not to hold tightly on to the things that we understand. Not to hold tightly on to, to our, own, our own way of, of doing things, our own way of understanding the world. And, and it would be wise for us to remember, first of all, that we only see things partially. Our perspective is so limited. When, when our options are trust in the Lord or depend on our own understanding, well, I mean, my understanding is like pretty tiny compared to, to the Lord's understanding, to the, to the wisdom of God. Why would, I, why would I want to trust my own limited understanding rather than, you know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't, I don't have any way of knowing what's coming. And, and frankly, it, it would be a giant leap of faith for me to say, you know, I understand what's happening. I, I can do this because I understand what's, what's going to happen. That, that would actually be a pretty giant leap of faith for me to say that, uh, that I understand. When the Lord has offered, when the Lord has offered to provide wisdom for, for tomorrow. But again, what, is it, what does it look like to, to trust in the Lord? I think when we move into to verse 6, we get, we get a clue. We get a clue. It says, in, in the New Living, it says, uh, seek his will in all you do. Um, I love the New Living Translation. This is not a particularly faithful translation to the, to the Hebrew. This is not like a word-for-word word word translation. Uh, if you're looking at a different version in, uh, in your own Bible, or if you have a different version memorized, often it, it goes something like, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Um, and that, that actually, the idea of acknowledging the Lord in all of our ways, it's a much more faithful, like word for word kind of translation to the Hebrew, um, to the original idea of this, this proverb. I think the, the idea of acknowledging God in all our ways is, is a start to the practical answer of how we trust in the Lord. I think it's a start for us to know how to trust the Lord by just acknowledging God in all our ways. What does it mean to acknowledge God in all our ways? One of the ways that we acknowledge God when we eat is we ask the Lord to bless our food. Um, you, you probably worked a job to pay for that food. You, you may have gone to the grocery store and purchased it. You may have cooked it. 
it seems a little odd to, to thank a deity for this food that you've done all that work to provide for yourselves. Saying thank you to God for, for providing the food that is on our table is, is just one way to acknowledge, acknowledge that at some level, everything I have is a gift from God. I, I didn't cause the sun to rise and make those the vegetables grow. Like I can't make a carrot sweeter. I just can't do it. But the Lord will provide because of the way the Lord has created the earth. The Lord, the Lord provides for us. When we wake up, when we wake up at the beginning of the day and we give thanks for this day, if, if we repeat from Psalm 118.24, this is the, Lord, the, the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. We're acknowledging in, in all of our ways that we have no power to make the sun rise. That, you know, as Jesus says, by worrying you can't add a single day to your life. God has given us this day as a gift. This day is a gift from God. And so it, in, it is one way that we can acknowledge God in all our ways to just simply say, thank you for this day. Acknowledging God in all our ways means that we see ourselves as dependent on God in every circumstance. It's similar to Paul, the, the Apostle Paul's instruction in Philippians 4 to, to not worry about anything but to pray about everything. To allow the Lord to, to weigh in on everything we do. Acknowledging Him in all of our ways. It, it puts us in the best position to know and to do God's will in all, all circumstances. And I think this is the gateway to, to trusting the Lord. When we simply acknowledge God in all our ways, we are, we are stepping on the, on, the, on the front porch of trusting the Lord. When we, when we simply say, thank you for this day, we're ready then to, to trust in God's wisdom. Be, because the Lord wants us to confer with, with him about, about things as like a trusted confidant. Like I, I confer with Alyssa about pretty much everything because she's the human being I trust the most on earth. And, and she is able to, to draw wisdom out of me that I'm, I wasn't aware. And she has way more wisdom than I have to, to be able to, to help me understand things. The Lord wants to be our most trusted confidant. The, the Lord wants us to confer in everything we do, in all our ways, acknowledging him. The, the Lord would, would love for you when you're, when you're at work this week doing the thing that you've done a thousand times before, the Lord would love to hear from you and, and speak into your, to your situation. When you're at the grocery store, you don't need help comparison the price of toilet paper, Right? but the Lord would love to hear from you when you're at the grocery store, when you're driving to work, when you're, when you're out in the community with friends, the Lord would love to confer with you. The Lord would love to be, to be your most trusted confidant. To, to, if you would use the Lord as a sounding board in every situation, this is, this is what it means to, I think this is what it means to trust, to, to go to the Lord in every, everything. It's certainly what it means 
I believe, to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways. And in the end of verse 6, it says, and he will show you which path to take. Other versions say, and he will make, make your path straight. It sounds like there's a promise in this, doesn't it? Sounds like there's a promise that, like, for, for trust, there is this promise of straight ways. Remember what wisdom is, though. It's the collected wisdom of, of generations of people trying to seek God. And so this is just sort of the way it seems to work out. It seems to work out that when we trust in God, paths tend to straighten out. Paths tend to, to, to become a little less circuitous when we, when we trust the Lord. And so trust and acknowledge in God and it means that, that we will have roads to doing God's will paved for us. Now, just, just a word. This is the road to doing God's will. This is the road to what is good for us. This is the road to, to lives being filled with love and joy and peace. This is not necessarily leisure. This is not necessarily the, the good life. Because the, the, the most famous straight path in scripture is John the Baptist in the wilderness saying, make straight a path for our Lord. Make a way in the desert. All of the mountains will be made low. All of the valleys will be exalted. Make straight a path for our Lord. The path was made perfectly straight for Jesus to do exactly God's will. And it got him to an executioner's cross. When, when we trust in the Lord, we trust and know that the Lord will straighten our path to do his will. It may require incredible sacrifice. It may be harder than anything we could ever understand. But when we trust in the Lord and ask God daily and acknowledge God in every circumstance, he, he, will, he will direct our feet to do what is good for us, even when we don't understand why it's our, for our own good. He, he will direct us to, to know and to do his will, to be filled with love and joy and peace. It may not be leisure, I hope for you it is. I hope for you it's comfort. I hope for you, for you it, is, it is good days. And there will be many good days. But, but may we be ready for God's will to, to lead us to, to becoming less and less as he becomes more and more. The, the straight path that God wants to take us on will be a path of forgetting our own ability, of, of being willing to say, you know, God, I don't got this. I, I don't have this. The path of acknowledging the Lord with every, every step and trusting him, though, it's, it's the path to true blessing. As we wrap up our time together this morning, I I'd encourage you to consider what are those areas in your life where you are most apt to say, I got this. What are the areas where, where you just think, you know, I am pretty, 
pretty good at that. And maybe that's an area to just acknowledge him in all your ways. Maybe that would just be a, a starting place for, for us to say, God, you've given me this ability. What amazing thing could you do with it if I would give it to you? To maybe just ask the Lord, you know, show me, show me those places. Show me those places where I, I am completely sufficient all on my own. Maybe, God, you could do something even greater than I could understand in that area of my life. This, this might be good, a good item for discussion. If you're gathering with a small group this week or uh, if you're talking with a, a friend, it might be something to say, you know, I, I recognize in myself, I'm, I tend to, to trust my own ability in this area and I'd like to, to just thank God for, for the gift of the ability, but also to ask the Lord, what, what could he do with this area where I think I'm pretty strong? Why don't you stand with me and let me pray for you as we, as we reflect on, on this challenge and, and try to trust a little bit more for today. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for this time of worship that we can come together. We thank you, God, for your spirit that speaks to us. We thank you, Lord, uh, for, for giving the same spirit right here in Lewiston, Idaho, as it is moving in a powerful and unique way in Wilmore, Kentucky. Lord, as, as you move by the power of your spirit, we pray that you would get us out of the way, that we would not rely on our own wisdom and our own intellect to give some hot take on what you're doing, but Lord, that we would just humbly watch and depend on you. God, each of us, in our own lives, we have those areas where, where we are completely sufficient. Each of us in our own lives, we have understanding and ability. We've been trained. We, whether it's from school or from the school of hard knocks, Lord, we all have areas where we are sufficient, where we are capable. Thank you, God. Thank you for making us not uh, complete newbies in everything we do all the time. There is comfort that comes from, from knowing, uh, having some skill. But God, we, we recognize that so quickly we turn those areas in our lives where we are sufficient, we, we turn them into the reasons that, that we are fulfilled. Or we, we turn them into little idols and we say, I can do that. I'm as good as God. And Lord, we, we just we want to learn from the wisdom of scripture that reminds us that our paths are straight. Our paths to know and to do your will, Lord, will be straight if we trust you and if we acknowledge you. And so, God, for this day, we give you thanks. For the opportunity to be gathered in, in this place, this beautiful sanctuary that None of us had anything to do with its building. Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you for moving through your people in, in the history of this church so we'd have this place. Thank you, God, for, for waking us up today so that we could be here on time to worship you. Thank you, thank you, God, for 
the very breath that we breathe, for creating us and for the pleasure we receive in filling our lungs. Thank you, God, for the people around us, for the people here who, who care about us, who love us, for the people here who, who uh, we can depend on their friendship, but Lord, they are a gift from you. We thank you. We thank you and acknowledge you for, for the skills and abilities that you've given us. And as we go into this week, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear where, where we are sufficient all on our own. And may we, Lord, acknowledge you and trust in you and depend upon you. We love you, God. You are so trustworthy. You are so trustworthy, God. May, may we just trust all the more. May we acknowledge you in every way. Lord, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You are dismissed.